Welcome to the Industry 4.0 Podcast with Grant Tech. Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Industry 4.0 Podcast with Grant Tech, where we take a look into the world of manufacturing with a focus on stories and trends that lead to better solutions. Our guests share tips and outcomes that are going to help improve your productivity. My name is uh, Sam Russell, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm joined by Michael Rissi of Seek Advanced Analytics. Seek's applications enable users to rapidly investigate and share insights from the time series data generated by manufacturing and IoT solutions. The result is faster decisions, the ability to drive continuous improvement in production KPIs, and increased profitability. So, Michael, thanks a lot for being able to to join me on the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Thank you, Sam. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, Michael Rissi, um, Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Seek, one of the founding partners back in 2013 when there were 10 of us around a picnic table. There's now over 200 uh, spread across the United States, Europe, and into Asia. So quite a bit of growth over the last almost nine years. Yeah, that's great. It's really been fantastic working with with Seek and kind of seeing you guys grow over time. It, it's been a lot of fun. So uh, let's kind of get this started like we always do with uh, the broad but interesting question. What does Industry 4.0 mean to you? <laughs> that, that's a big question. Yeah. Uh, to me, you look at you look at anything and you think about the balance between value and cost. OK, that would be valuable to me. But what does it cost? And what Industry 4.0 s- to me says is, okay, throw all your cost expectations out the window because everything's going to get a lot cheaper. Um, data creation is going to get cheaper. Data storage is going to get cheaper. The ability to calculate is going to get cheaper. The ability to distribute insights is going to get cheaper. So what might have been valuable but was too expensive, well, you really need to rethink the expense part of that or the cost part of that because the wave of innovations is just driving down costs and that's going to make for a different you know outcome when it comes to well is it worth me doing this from a from a value perspective so what you wouldn't have done before you might now do and that whole change in attitude about the cost of something uh is i think a key driver in the industry 4.0 discussion yeah, good point. And actually, it really makes me think of those like adoption curves that you see about like new technology adoption all the time, right? It sounds like part of what you're saying is that some of those early adopters have done that that trial by fire and kind of figured out some some things that work and some things that don't and driven down some cost. And now it's the time where bigger parts of the industry can start to adopt some of this technology right. too. Right. Well, it's the key thing is that on that adoption piece that that I come back to a lot in customer conversations is how do you adopt it in the context that you have? Right. It's one thing to say, hey, we're going to adopt something. Oh, and you need to go hire new people first. And another thing, oh, we need to adopt something. And oops, we need to turn all of our assets 90 degrees to the left, something ridiculous. And oh, we want to do this. But but the cost or the impact of adoption is high. So the question about adoption is how does it work with you where you are? Your current employees, your current deployments, your current production schedules and requirements, the how to to tap digital innovation in the context of what's already there. That's the key question about the adoption piece. And obviously very different conversation for Greenfield where you can plan for it from the get-go, but you know, when there aren't any new oil refineries in the world in the last however many years is an example. So that's the exception. The rule is make it work in where you are with who you've got. Solve that and you can start tapping the 
tapping the cost benefits. Yeah, you're you're totally right. And I actually, I, that's something I see a lot too, where I think that, yeah, there's there may be some need to add in some data scientists or some capabilities that you don't have today, but that's not the problem that, the problem that you tackle first, right? You have to meet people where they're at. You have to see where it's going to provide immediate value to the business. And that's going to justify those, those future cooler things that we can be doing, right? Yep. Cool. Yes. Um, okay, so what is your least favorite Industry 4.0 buzzword that's out there? And I, I, I only said one, so yeah, be selective. Uh, that's not fair. You know, we do virtual user groups with our customers in different uh, industries. So we've done chemical user groups and oil and gas, virtual because of COVID, obviously, but virtual user groups for chemical customers, food and beverage customers, pharmaceutical customers, oil and gas customers. And one of the things in the intro is we always give them a list of buzzwords and ask them that question. What is their oh, yeah. favorite buzzword? So it's it's very um, that's always a popular part of the of the discussion. I boy, I don't know that I've got one least. Maybe maybe it's artificial intelligence. Just because when you scratch the surface, you end up in machine learning very quickly, and when you scratch machine learning, you end up often, not always, but in regression. You know, mm-hmm. the ability to the the biggest gap between sort of what you're actually using and then what the word is to me is artificial intelligence. Um, and the idea that you would do that in a plant environment, you know, rather than trusting in the expertise, the experience of the employees, how you would augment their work rather than replace their brains. Like that's probably my least, uh, least favorite of the words that are out there. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that too, actually. I like, I, I don't know if I'd call it out my least, I would have to really think about that question too, I guess. Uh, but you're right. It's one of those things where like, at its purest definition of just like, computer systems emulating some type of more human intelligence like at a very basic level that could be a couple of formulas in excel right but we're kind of trained <laughs> to think about it as something that controls a humanoid robot that is coming to attack me in a will smith movie right so <laughs> no and, and the other point is that time and again what what we find in working with machine learning with seek with customers is just it's the imagination of the users, it's, and what do I mean by that? I just said expertise and experience. The imagination, where they they're wondering and they're and they're thinking about, and they're saying, "Oh, maybe it's this that's that's causing that." Oh, maybe it's this. And and typically, you know, you can't do an analysis on the data that you don't have. And so, typically, that innovation and that imagination is about, "Oh, let's get this other data set, put this into the mix, and see if that has an impact and outcome." That expertise scientifically or imagination creatively, that so often is what leads to the discovery, right? It, 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 if it could be coded and said, well, this is the outcome or this is what you were looking for. Well, that's great, but that's not typically what we see. It's the expertise, the experience and the questioning that leads to, oh, we found out what we found what we were looking for, right? We avoided $23 million in downtime of a plant. We saved millions of dollars a year in this raw material or energy uh, costs and savings. The, the tapping, enabling, accelerating the expertise and the experience of those employees, that rather than magic boxes is 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 where we see this working. You're right. The idea of applying something like artificial intelligence to what is what you described, human creativity, right? It, it, that sounds like a very heavy lift, right? And sometimes you just got to lean on that human creativity and the people that you have, right? Uh, empower, they, they so often, look, they know, 
their expertise and experience. They know what they're looking for. It's just too hard to find or it takes too much time to get there. Or in the past, the cost in time or money just didn't justify the effort, right? An example of of that would be uh, what customer we're working with, they had a 400-hour project in Excel, 400 hours among multiple employees was that 400 hour effort would have to have an outcome, right? That was really worth their time and energy. Okay. Same thing less in seek was measured in minutes, right? That's the kind of advantage we provide with advanced analytics on time series data specific to task versus the way things have been done uh, in the industry broadly around the last 30 years. Well, that radically changes the, well, what is this going to be valuable to do? Because instead of 400 hours, it's 53 minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. That, That might be worth doing. We could take that. And then uh, go put it into uh, into effect. And again, customers typically, frequently, usually, always, when they're talking about the benefits they're experiencing with Seek, start out at a million dollars. A million dollars in saving, a million dollars in more uptime, a million dollars in uh, higher quality product and output, a million dollars in asset availability and so forth. So mm-hmm. those those hours and minutes, if they can spend them effectively, can can really have a big downstream effect. Great. So um, you you ran right into my next question there, which is, you know, so if we have all these, so you mentioned a couple of things that customers are looking to solve with with software like Seek and Industry 4.0, right? It could be saving people time. It could be reducing unplanned downtime. Is, is there a, a single problem or a couple of problems that you want to add on to that that customers are frequently looking to solve with uh, Industry 4.0 technology or advanced ed- analytics technology like no. Seek specifically? I think the basic big theme is, you know, what's next and better? What's mm-hmm. next and better? There was a, a wave of better that had to do with Six Sigma or Lean or uh, continue, the uh, Black Belt and Six Sigma efforts. Mm-hmm. What's next for continuous improvement? What's next for the next level of better? Uh, whether it's production, outcomes better, quality better, energy efficiency better, environmental compliance better. Uh, sustainability better. What's what's the tool that's going to be used to enable and accomplish the next level of better uh, for those those plant results and and KPIs? So that that can take a lot of different directions in a lot of different industries and a lot of u- different use cases. Whether it's you know predictive about what's going to happen or diagnostic root cause analysis about what did happen or uh, monitoring by exception for what's going on out there and what should I care about. I have hundreds of thousands of assets. Tell me the three I care about most right now. So it's what's better, what's the next step in better, and then what in my industry and what matters to me as an organization. And that goes all over the place. I mean, the use cases we have, hundreds and hundreds of use cases across industries and in different scenarios. And there's, there's no straight one answer on that one. Yeah, no, that that's uh, totally true. And then as we look at that too, like over the next five years, um, can you think of anything like in this consumer technology space that you see kind of being adopted more by manufacturers over the next amount of time to kind of start to enable some of those uh, solutions? Well, I think it's less than a consumer technology specifically uh, than it is a consumer model. And the consumer model is that stuff works together and Mm -hmm. consumers demand that stuff works together. And in the industrial manufacturing world, you know, stuff that works together is so specialized, they give it a name, which is COTS, which is commercial off the shelf. Oh my goodness, stuff works together. It's commercial off the shelf, as opposed to when's the last time you bought 
well, probably the Apple stack would be an example, but a highly <laughs> proprietary, you know, only works my other things model. So I, I think it's more the consumer expectation of integration and things working together than a particular technology. Uh, and one thing that's certainly going to drive that is cloud, right? Mm -hmm. the, the cloud model of coopetition and things need to work together. And the customer expects this to work, and so we're going to have to make it work. That model of integration and interactivity between different vendors is definitely going to be accelerated with a with a push from the cloud, more data on the cloud, more work on the cloud, some manufacturing applications on the cloud, MES, not DCS, but probably MES and things like mm -hmm. that. So it's it's the consumer model of coopetition and things working together more than a consumer technology, if you if you will. Uh, that's going to change. Yeah, sure. And uh, actually, we, we were talking about this just the other day um, around how, especially as we are looking at cloud and we're looking at kind of the, some of those consumer technologies, right? I think more of subscriptions and software as a service, oh, yeah. right? Which I know is some options for Seek as well. And how we were actually talking about just kind of like the implications around that for cybersecurity, right? And how many times do you walk into a plant where they haven't upgraded the SCADA system in the last decade and it's running on a outdated version of Windows and things like that? So while a lot of customer, while a lot of manufacturers might be a little bit worried about this idea of kind of software as a service, the trade-off that you might be making for, for security and the regular updates and things like that that you get by adopting cloud and things like that are are enormous and things that you don't even notice in a lot of the subscriptions that you pay in your day-to-day -day life. If your Netflix app gets updated or your your phone gets a new OS, you you just get it. You're always the latest version, right? Well, that's gonna be a that's gonna be an interesting set of conversations depending on the app. You know, if you're talking mm -hmm. DCS and SCADA and uh, that's gonna be on-prem and lockdown for as far as I can see is it's um, my expectation. But for other systems, definitely and and uh, you know when you're above L3 in the Purdue stack, L4, five apps. Yeah, those could those could benefit from you know, the the updating or the maybe more consumer model of a subscription and updating software. And we've come a long way from software being updated every eighteen months, eighteen to thirty six months. Right, those yeah. are the old tip cycles. And with Seek, we're we're at quarterly updates, uh, and we're we're leaning towards in some cases actually having some components update more often. Mm -hmm. So it's it's going to be different. Uh, in terms of the opportunities for getting that innovation out and then experiencing that innovation as a customer than, than what it's been in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we actually, some of the things we've been talking about here, right? So actually we're just mentioning how Seek has those more frequent updates around how you guys are leveraging so much cloud technologies. What other things kind of differentiate Seek as a platform product or a solution that you think is particularly of interest to to manufacturers out there? Well, I think, <laughs> nah, sorry, that's a little blunt, a little stuttery there, but that's okay. <laughs> key thing: ease of use. It's mm -hmm. for the it's for the employees you have. If you can use Excel, you can use Seek, right? There's some little training involved, then you can get going. But it's about and and where's your data? Your data is fine. If your data is in silos, or it's in the cloud, or it's on prem, or it's on both, your data is fine. So that ability to install it in the morning and find a million dollars of value in the afternoon. That's not an outlandish marketing claim. That is what can happen because it's the people that you have with their expertise and experience. It's the data that you have where it currently uh, exists. And then it's that ability to find a new set of insights. The next step of better, I mentioned before, mm -hmm. that have a dramatic uh, in impact on, on outcomes. 
that that is so important because there's no preamble. There isn't mm-hmm. a preamble. There isn't go hire these other people. There isn't go do this with all your data. There isn't, and again, it's ridiculous. And I apologize to your listeners in advance. Don't <laughs> turn all your assets by 90 degrees or whatever the ridiculous notion would be that you have to you have to preamble something to start getting benefits. And once you have that working with the data where it is with the employees that you have and getting these advantages. There's also a future-proof aspect. So as the organization moves to the cloud, as new innovation comes in from your data science team or your IT organization, as other things happen, that can all extend or fit with the Seek experience. And so it's that mm-hmm. time to value on day one, and then it's, okay, and we're, we're safe with this over you know the years that follow. Yeah, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, great. So I wanted to ask a question to you that came from one of our, our earlier podcasts. We always try to, and to pay it forward a little bit, you'll get to ask a question to a future guest as well. Um, so the last question that I had was around, uh, what is the impact of machine learning in, in your area of expertise? They actually said AI in there too, but based on our conversation, I'm going to skip that part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, buzzword. Yeah, yeah, right. So so how have you really started to leverage elements of machine learning and, and seen that work in, in your experience in manufacturing? Got it. So the starting point for machine learning with Seek was simply using it as, as technology, which was enabling the features that seek users were using so you know they could they could do things uh in the application point and click experience where they are we're using machine learning either to power the features or they're actually interacting with something like regression um regression models in the tool what what we've done in the last six months which i think is just super interesting is recognized okay wait a minute there's I don't know, two, three million apps on the Google or Apple app stores, two or three million apps on the Apple app stores. How many algorithms are going to be in the world that are going to be compelling or interesting or useful? Will there be millions? Will there be hundreds of thousands? Will be the tens? I I don't know what the number is. What I am positive of is they won't all come from Seek, that (laughs) there will be an opportunity for innovation in machine learning to come from multiple places. And the, our model at Seek is bring your own algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. If there's something we've done and we've got an open source site on GitHub with a set of algorithms, great, go use it. And you can plug it into Seek Data Lab and work. If your IT department is using something like Azure Machine Learning to build interesting algorithms, you can tap that algorithm from the Seek user experience so you can build your own. There are third parties building interesting algorithms. AWS has something called Lookout for Equipment. It's a predictive analytics uh, algorithm, runs on data from, from um, that's collected in the cloud. Guess what? If you want to be in Seek and take advantage of that algorithm from that third party that's building one, one of many examples, then you can do that. So our, our view on this is there's going to be a whole lot of algorithms in the world and no one vendor much less company, but no one vendor is going to be all of the algorithms you need or may want in your organization. So you can have your data science building, team building, do it. We'll plug those in. You can have third parties building them uh, like AWS. Then you can you can tap those as well. You could also use some of ours. Uh, you could also build your own as, as a process engineer, right? If you're comfortable with Python and want to start scripting things. So we just view this sort of like we view the Google Play or the 
um, app store with Apple, which is there's going to be a lot of options mm-hmm. from a lot of sources. And we won't be 100% of those. Our job instead is to, to enable you to access 100% of what's out there. And so that's where we are today in terms of we've had machine learning and building in our product and useful in our product. And now we've gone to a model of recognizing this constellation of algorithms that are available and will be available in the future and enabling customers to tap those uh, and, and, and the innovation they bring within the Seek experience so they don't have to go someplace else for it. Yeah, I, that that really resonates with me. I mean, I could make an argument that my entire department at Grand Tech is kind of based on some principles uh, like that, right? Where it's not enough anymore to just come with the right software and the right tool. You also need those accelerators to kind of get those into a customer and see value very quickly and be able to take kind of a lot of them, right? So what Seek on its own is very great. But see, coming with all of these options for machine learning algorithms that you can be plugging into this and leveraging is, is even more powerful, especially if you already have a library for a specific use case or for a specific industry to get uh, to. So you're not starting from scratch every time. It will go back to your question a minute ago about consumer, what consumer technology? Mm-hmm. Well, that this is not so much a consumer technology is it a consumer mild, mindset, which is, you know, aftermarket products for the thing that I buy, whether it's you know, your, your car or your house and the new dishwasher or this, these other things, you assume an aftermarket opportunity mm-hmm. to improve on some core asset or, or something that you um, acquire. This aftermarket attitude of customization, of specificness, of opportunity, that's what we're talking about, which is it's just being applied to machine learning algorithms rather than dishwashers or <laughs> hubcaps or something like that. It's, hey, that marketplace is going to exist to uh, facilitate and accelerate uh, my success. There we go. There's our tagline for this episode. What machine learning and your dishwasher have in common. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, is the first time I've used that. If any of your listeners want to take issue with it, then let me know. But, <laughs> no, I, 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 thought it, I thought it. It's what came to mind. It's what came to mind. I do think it is a consumerish attitude to say, hey, there's a marketplace of things out there. And those things should be able to work with my thing. And uh, that should make me better off, right? From a a perspective of working together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't care that that thing I have is a 40 year old production asset that hasn't been updated in that entire time. (laughs) I still want it to work and there's ways to do it. It's all (laughs) scotch tape and ball bearings. Um, all right. So, so what do you want to set up for the next person I interview? What industry 4.0 question do you have that you want to hear answered in a, in a future Uh, podcast? Well, so I think of industry 4.0 in sort of these time segments. Uh, there was pre-COVID, and that's when a lot of the first wave of attention and language and enthusiasm came out. Then there was the COVID wave, which really, to me, COVID equals cloud in terms of the impact and acceleration. We're starting to see, we had our first event last week, IHS, Sierra Week, major oil and gas conference, starting to see the return of in-person events, starting to see the in-person travel, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what does industry 4.0 version three look like post the post COVID (laughs) world, where do we go? Where does it go? Does it go? Does it sort of stay on this cloud rails cloud or, you know, cloud on rails model? Does it Mm -hmm. morph somehow in terms of expectations with respect to remote employees and and where people are centers of excellence? I'm curious what 
Industry 4.0 version three. I love that. Industry 4.0 version three looks like. I mean, that, that would be Industry 4.3. We realize. <laughs> yeah, we do that, that would be that would be good. That that your your language about what does Industry 4.0.3 look like? Uh, innovation post COVID. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great question. I I am I hope we get someone good to answer that one. I'm sure we will. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to use dishwashers in their response. I hope so. Like just for the continuity, that'd be great. Um, well, th- this was obviously a lot of fun, um, Michael. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Industry Four O podcast with Grant Tech. Um, I hope everybody listening enjoyed too. Uh, really great insights. Uh, is there anything that um, Seek wants to promote? Anything that you all are up to uh, in the near future that you want our, our audience to, to know about? No, uh, we'll, we'll be back out of conferences to the extent that we can be. We've got you know materials and webinars coming, and we're still rolling along. So. Just if we can help, you can find me at info at seek.com and we'll go from there. Okay, that sounds great. Um, so thanks again to our listeners. And also remember, we would love to hear from you as well. So follow Grant Tech on LinkedIn to stay up to date with everything that we're doing. Subscribe to the Industry 4.0 podcast with Grant Tech wherever you get your podcasts. Email any questions, feedback, or your thoughts on Industry 4.0 to info at grantech.com. And join us next time on the Industry 4.0 podcast with Grant Tech. Thanks again, Michael. Really great time. Thank you, Sam. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.